All right, we are live. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, we are the Quillcast. I'm Will. And I'm Andrew. Yep. And uh, we have an interesting topic today. Uh, we will be basically doing the impossible topic yeah. of discussing Tolkien and Martin. And Chris yep. has tasked us with deciding which one's better, which is, it is impossible. You, you want to make a disclaimer? He, you can tell he chose to miss this one. <laughs> yes. <specifically. he> did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So what's the disclaimer that we were uh, discussing? The, the disclaimer we were just discussing is we clearly have to say that Tolkien is better just because he managed to finish his books. Yep. And while Martin might have finished them, there is no matter of fact certainty that he has. Mm -hmm. And we won't know until his eventual will is written and read <laughs> yeah. off. Probably. Someone knows that. Like, I know there's yeah. someone knows the ending and he specifically told him in case he can't finish it, which is just like, come on, man, just, just do it. <laughs> right. It's, it's the most frustrating uh, thing because apparently he's finished it. He's decided he wants to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the um, TV series has impaired this journey and yeah. has only made it worse. Yes, but, I, I totally agree. He has recently come out within like the last couple of days and said that the ending at the very least will be different than the show, which we all God. kind of assumed. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't I haven't heard that part. So Yeah, well, I always kind time. of assumed it was going to be like essentially the same ending with Daenerys going nuts. But like the right. build up to it will make sense. See, I had doubts. Because I, I, I've always assumed he wanted it to be different. Like, mm -hmm. he would never allow his story to be spoiled is kind yeah, of fair. where I've been at. Um, but the lack of clear communication on that was one of those things mm -hmm. where it's just like, I don't know, I'm not so certain anymore. But if he <laughs> said it is different, then I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I hope that is the case. Uh, that ending was just garbage all around. Okay. Hey, all right. This is going to be this little part where we go on a tangent here. About the show. <laughs> that um, little part. It's going to be the whole show. To, it's going to be a tangent. <laughs> it be, yeah, it's going to be. But um, you can. It's very noticeable when he they lose their source material. Season five, yes. right? Mm -hmm. There's a noticeable drop in quality of the show. Yes. And you start to see these episodes where you do a whole lot of nothing. But, like, a lot less intriguing, a lot less, like, meandering to an end goal mm -hmm. once you get to that point. Like, there's episodes where a whole lot of nothing happens prior to that, but there's a lot more intrigue and yes. behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Yeah, like, actual world-building, uh, right. not yeah. just, oh, this is this random offshoot storyline that actually just dies in one episode, and it's just like, yes. that was a waste of time. Yes. That's that's basically you can tell. So anyone, mm -hmm. it's like they could have also done more episodes for the last season to yeah. make what they did better, but they chose not to. So that's, no, well, that's, HBO asked for another at least two seasons, and they're like, no, we're gonna work on Star Wars, and they get fired. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just look at the first world problems of the directors. They're mm -hmm. like, we have this successful show that we brought to you all, and. <laughs> Let's throw it away and yeah. do it in a way that's awful. Like we and ruin our you, reputation. Yeah, right. We couldn't even give you ten episodes, like a longer season with ten episodes. Like yep. no, no, we're just going to make this come from left field. We're going to make it feel rushed. It's going to just piss away all of the goodwill mm -hmm. we've ever built, and now expect people to trust us with anything else. It like 
they thought their shit doesn't stink. They thought they were Lannisters who literally shit yeah. gold. Like, <laughs> yep. That's, they're haunted now, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have to be, especially with this, like the Disney thing. They thought they were going to go do Star Wars, but they already they were trying to jump ship to a group that was struggling with their yeah. with the way their trilogy was going, and they just demonstrated that they're the same exact issues mm-hmm. that, yep. that Disney's trying to get away from. Like, if anything, they they needed that last season to be so strong to be able to continue and be like, yeah. we're going to rescue uh-huh. Star Wars for you, Disney. Like, if they had finished strong, Disney wouldn't have fired them. Yeah. But, like, their reputations were trash mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, what's crazy, it was so bad that now they have a prequel coming out, and I'm not interested at all, because I know, yeah. like, I know where essentially where the story ends, like, the long night the the what is it called the night king whatever um like right. i know the storyline and it's stupid it's the worst storyline ever right. and so and also i know like i know the targaryens are going to come next so it's like i don't care <laughs> right i mean there's a way that you could make it interesting right but at the same time it's like martin should have just written something yes make it one book mm-hmm but you can't right. make one book. Let, All right, go, so going to the books. Oh, so we're going to books now. Yeah, we can, but we can continue to sort of this topic. So originally, yeah. George R. R. Martin. By the way, the R. R. stands for nothing. So like, he only has yeah. one middle name. He he modeled his name he, after Tolkien. Uh, yeah. But the um, it was originally going to be a trilogy, mm-hmm. and he had the entire story mapped out <laughs> yeah. for a trilogy. Uh, and then the publisher is like, "No, can you actually make this into seven books, or have seven or eight, or however many?" It's not even just that, though. He struggled to fit it. Yeah. They were too big. <laughs> he also had... I'm glad that he went back and changed it a little bit because he had... Um, I'm going to forget the characters' names now. Uh, the younger sister... Jon Snow's a younger sister. The younger Arya. Sister. Arya, yeah. So Arya and Jon were going to have a thing. Yes. And that just is like... Ugh. He, he's had a lot of... He's had a lot of moments where he writes and then he rethinks completely twists it around completely yep. and utterly like com- just rewrites the whole damn thing and i like his i like his story i do but he struggles with the butterfly effect <laughs> that's my biggest complaint with martin is yeah. the butterfly effect is so strong and i think this is where you'll you'll quickly find a huge difference between tolkien and martin is right here in the world building aspect Martin can't world build without like a POV there. He has to have a POV. Mm-hmm. He can't just do it real well with like rumors and third party conversations. He needs the POV. Whereas Tolkien is so happy to like put your imagination to work building that world. And whereas Martin is much better at writing in the moment with a POV, Tolkien struggles in those you know he likes to get way too or detail oriented yeah well he's a narrator and he has like, the narrator is yeah. describing the scene and sometimes it's like oh man i get it i get the it's color right. of the trees man. Right. i get the he, flowers yeah <laughs> oh no we lost uh andrew so i don't know how well this conversation is gonna go by myself oh he's good i'm back <laughs> i was like i was so worried i was like i don't know i can't debate myself so i hit the camera um usb so okay we're good but um no, like he he goes into such extreme detail on every little thing, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time you're just like, 
holy shit, we just entered the room that's like two pages long, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he describes every detail, which at the same time, it's amazing. But he's yeah, able, well, you actually feel like you're there yeah. and you know the world. Right. And I would say it's my, the thing that I was struggled with with Lord of the Rings when I read through them was it's that's brutal though when you have a when you have a character you don't like mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're reading yes. that point of view that you don't like it dreads. So oh, like, yeah, uh, the part that gets me right is two towers as a book. Mm-hmm. You put all the interesting stuff with Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli in the front. You put Sam and Frodo going in circles for the whole second half of that book. <laughs> yes. Okay, I love the story. Damn, that kills you. That like you have to set that book down a couple times. <laughs> I don't care how dedicated you are to loving Lord of the Rings. If you tell me you read that straight through, you didn't so, do that without your soul dying. Yeah. Bit. So funny. I didn't have that uh, interaction with the two towers, but I felt that with the, the Fellowship when they go really? through the Tom okay. Bombadil scene. Dude, and okay, I actually like dragged that. out. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I thought that was so interesting. I think the first time you read it, it's interesting. And then you like go back at the quotes from Tolkien. He's just like, yeah, Tom Bombadil is unexplainable. He's just there. And he's like, it's supposed to be that aspect of the world that doesn't make sense. You can't understand everything. But then Uh, rereading it is just like, oh my gosh, this takes so long. (laughs) I'll say I agree with the second reading. But the first time you're like getting introduced to this world because he tells you all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this history, and it kind of sets the backdrop a little bit. Yeah, it, but you're expecting him to come back, maybe. Like he makes the ring right. disappear, and you're like, "Oh, the 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 uh, quest is over." <laughs> right, right. And then right. it's back, and he's like, "Okay, nope, you got to keep going." <laughs> For the sake of this, are we including the Hobbit? Yes. In this, okay. Just yeah, that. even though it's and like all the lore and everything, like are we yeah, include? okay, yeah. Because I know most people will have only a Fred. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for Martin, I would include um, th- there's the two books before. And stuff. Yeah, what the heck is that? It's it's Egg and Dunk or yeah. something, but I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. He has a couple things that are yeah, uh, to the side. Oh, it's like Journey to the Seven Kingdoms or something like that. Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, Night of the Seven Kingdoms. That's the name. I haven't read that, so I don't okay. know anything on those. I just read the main the main uh, series, okay. and <laughs> you can tell that there's a huge. I think their perspectives are extremely different, right? Like mm-hmm. where they're coming from. You can see that Tolkien's all about the adventure. Mm-hmm. He's literally writing about a journey. He it's yep. like an, it's an escape almost, but also very idealistic. His his approach. He mm-hmm. wants this world to exist. That's what he wants the world to be. Where like you're conquering evil. Yeah, well, he's creating a mythos for England. That's the, that's the the idea right. is that he's creating myth, like the actual real England's backstory. Yeah, and he's he wants that's what his ideal world is. Yeah, and it's fantastical, like, and, it's, and it feels like a um, Sir Arthur's to- story. Right, and and he's creating like a moral values tree of sorts. He's he's creating what good looks like. This is yeah. what you aspire to be. This is what's noble. This is what's grand. He, he's really trying to teach people the values that he's trying to convey, what yeah. he wants to see in the world. And he's creating a whole new mythology for it. Mm-hmm. But Martin, <laughs> he takes a completely different approach for his writing. No, yeah, There's Martin, nothing, there's nothing yeah. creative in Martin's writing. 
I don't if know we, if that's. I don't know if I go no, that if far. We, if we if we take it and parse it down to the like peer structure here, right? Like he's not so far. He's. I mean, maybe he's just a lot more subtle with it, but for what his main overall goal of the story is, because some people can take an extremely nihilistic view of his mm-hmm. story, but he's telling he's telling a story that's based on historical figures more oh, yeah. than anything. Not like there's a historical figure for every main character that yes. he has. It'd be at the Borgias. Uh, yeah. The War of the Roses. Yeah. So well, it, yeah. He's basing it all on history. Mm-hmm. He's trying to tell you the story of like the dark side of you. It's basically the, the actual story of England versus a mythical right. backstory. Yes. Well, it's you can call it a mythical backstory, but it's also what Tolkien wants England to aspire to, mm-hmm. right? Where Martin's just kind of like the shit. People are now. terrible. The shit, yeah. Yeah, and like good people get punished immediately because right. you either play the Game of Thrones or you die by the Game of Thrones. Yeah, so he's just like very nihilistic. Yes. He's just telling you this is the shit that people will do to you. Yep. You either acknowledge it or you die. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different worldview. They're taking... Yeah. One's a critique, and one's a hope. Like mm-hmm. that's that's where you're at. One one is future looking, one is past looking. Yeah, and another one. So like for Tolkien, like he obviously went through World War One, and right. he wrote a lot of the the stories, and also like the Elvish language wise in the foxholes. And I think if you go back and reread those stories, very much this, like all the main characters, they avoid almost all of the battle. And mm-hmm. he, he never, if he, if they do he engage in some kind of battle. Yeah, he he always avoids battle. For the yeah, but part. the thing is, like, in the, in the mythos, though. well, Martin, no. Martin, the entire thing is he likes about to avoid. Dying. He likes to avoid the actual battle battle, though. Yeah, okay. He likes to do little pieces around the battle. I guess and that's he doesn't fair. shy from killing. Yeah, no, he doesn't <laughs> shy from killing, so... But with Tolkien, like if you know the mythos, like there's wars going on the entire time mm-hmm. the fellowship is going on. So you have the war in the north, you have like yeah. several different wars going on in the south and in the west. Um, and he completely like you never even hear about it. Like you'll get some rangers that come in and like the fellowship and they're talking about right. it. Um, or you'll hear them talking about it when they get the Minas Tirith or something. But um, again, he completely avoids it because he doesn't want to fetishize war. War is terrible. Right. And he, he's trying to show like the hope in the world, like you like you were mm-hmm. saying. Whereas George R. R. Martin, he says that he's a pacifist, and he says that, like the Vietnam War really affected him. But no, it's like no, it does. he it loves does. it. He's just like the human debauchery is his favorite thing to really focus on and have the main characters, like definitely the you have the main characters that are just horrible human beings. Those are the ones that succeed, and the ones that are good, trying to avoid all that terribleness of the world. Those are right. the ones that die. <laughs> well, okay. Now here's the thing where you have to really take into account their how they were born, what generation they're part of. Yeah. Like if you've ever, you haven't read the Fourth Turning. I know Chris has, but you haven't, and I would highly recommend it. It's if you look at where they were born, Tolkien's a, is what is the archetype of a nomad okay. based on when he was born, and you have Martin who was born as a prophet. Like that's where they fall on the on the four cycles of the turnings. Okay. Right there with Tolkien, that's more of like the escapism. They're trying to go. They go their own way. They're highly individualistic. 
the Nomad, which you can see in Lord of the Rings that it's this the actions of the individual. It's mm-hmm. the individual's struggles with morality. It's not about the collective. You, the collective can't throw the ring in the fire. Mm-hmm. You have to have that individual who does the right thing. Yeah. Right. So he goes on that path where Martin is part of the profit group. They think their shit doesn't stink, but they hate all every, like it's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. They want to burn everything flame. Like the culture war stuff is all that. Like they have no compromise. Mm-hmm. And you see that in his writing. Something doesn't go your, your way. What are your actions? Burn the, burn the city <laughs> to the ground. Yes. There's no compromise. You surrender or you die. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's completely different perspectives. And they think that like the prophet generation thinks that they know best in everything. They, they think that they have the answers. Whereas like, and they never do, <laughs> they never do, but they think that they can reshape the world to be what they think is moral and just and right. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in its writings. Whereas there's a deep seated distrust of institutions and everything in nomads. And that is where Tolkien's at. Like the individual, you can only trust the individual, but even then like that's the person who can fail you. Yep. It's not about, it's not about the kingdom failing you. It's about the king failing you. Yep. It's about the person behind the mask that fails mm-hmm. you. And you can see it. It's, it's, right there plain as day in every story mm-hmm. the individual in every mart in everything book martin writes doesn't have a singular impact unless it's the main character yeah that's yeah okay right they're always looking for that. that like messiah-esque figure john snow don't mean shit unless he's the you know, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, everyone Daenerys is messiah. yeah you're totally right yes Daenerys doesn't matter unless she's the one who comes and Rescues mm-hmm. everyone. They and don't matter. Also, the other random Targaryen doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all about the prophecy behind them. The, them as an individual doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is all about that that corrupting power yep. of you as an individual. Yep. The One Ring. Like, <laughs> there's a complete difference in perspective, and it, it's pretty interesting when you look at. Yeah, and also it comes down to just like the corrupting power that's within you. So um, he shows that, he exemplifies it a lot by just whoever is holding the ring, how differently they interact with it. Like Bilbo mm-hmm. had it for like 50 or 60 years and nothing happened to him because he's just right. a pure person. Yeah, and same thing no, with Frodo, it was, it was so good. Sam was fine. Yeah, they have no massive like designs on mm-hmm. implementing their will on others. Yeah, but Boromir just being near it was enough. I mean, Boromir, that's because... It's, it's about your ambition more than mm-hmm. anything. If you think you can do something just because, like, and it, you have grand designs, right? Yeah. The power of that ring will corrupt you because you think you have an easy way of getting those designs yeah. without mm-hmm. convincing others. Mm-hmm. That's where the ring's power truly corrupts, is that you think you can just institute something. You can't just, you can't, you can just skip all of the parts of work. <laughs> that's what it makes it. It's basically the get out of work card. That's what the ring's power is <laughs> yes. in their eyes. And it's mm-hmm. very corrupting. But, yep. it, and further to it, right? Like they're polar opposite. The stories are polar opposite when you really look at the values behind them. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need both 
like I feel like you need to read both. Yeah, I agree that they are so different. Also, it's important to note that Martin based his story off of Tolkien's writings and right. tried to go in a different direction. So he wanted to get down to the weird minutia of all the politics of the hundreds of pages he spends on the food that they're eating. <laughs> um, and then also uh, like the tax, like he even makes the quote that he wants to know like the taxes of Middle Earth. And that's why right. his books have so much to do about banking. Um, mm -hmm. And so you can't, I don't think you can really fully appreciate Martin without reading Tolkien first. And I think right. reading both of them give you a great appreciation for both stories. And it's, it's just like everything else. So you can't have light without dark. Yeah. Right. You, you need that balance because it's just like when you shelter your kids, right? Mm -hmm. you, that you're giving them the sanitized Lord of the Rings story. Mm -hmm. And then when they're no longer in a position to be sheltered, life hits them like a ton of bricks and they don't know how to react to that. Yep. So everything you taught them now is suspect is a lie. Mm -hmm. it, Game of Thrones, you know, the Sun of Fire and Ice over there is that ton of bricks of reality. Yeah, you you're advocating to read like your three-year-old kid for a nighttime yeah. story, <laughs> the Song of Ice and Fire. No, you start them You start them off with Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. You show them what good looks like, what yeah. you should aspire to be, and then you're more than happy to show them the reality and yep. why it's wrong. Yeah, that's why like Martin continuously kills off Aragorn. Like he has yeah. several Aragorn characters that he just like, nope, they're gonna die. <laughs> like Ned I mean, Stark, that's Aragorn. I like the fact that Martin kills your heroes. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, and it makes you appreciate the side characters more. So, like, I think that if you like immediately you love Ned Stark because it's the archetype of a hero, you love him so right. much. So, I think if you didn't kill him off, you wouldn't be able to have a story where you appreciate Tyrion. Or even mm -hmm. um, any of the Lannisters, like any of them, you really well, start to appreciate them. And it it does bring the so I stress everyone can kind of tell I like the aspect of the individual from Tolkien, mm -hmm. but there is the importance of the group that Martin does show, and that is you can have your leader, but you mm -hmm. have to have someone still like just because you have a leader doesn't get rid of your responsibility, yeah. like. If someone takes out your Ned Stark, who rises to the occasion mm -hmm. to fill that void? You you still need someone to step up. Like someone needs to be able to still have enough individualism to step up to lead. You never yep. know when your heroes are going to die, but that doesn't mean you can't be your own hero. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where Game of Thrones, like just. And also, never ever sleep with your nurse like Rob Stark does. <laughs> That too. Oh my that gosh! Too. That like, thing is, he probably would have won that entire war. <laughs> he That's was a point, military man. genius. That's the point. That's the point. Oh man! Of the whole story arc. The whole story arc is to get your hopes up. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is that it goes down. There's no point of view of Rob Stark in the books, and he's so well depicted. Yeah. I mean, Martin's not a bad writer. <laughs> Honestly, he might be a better writer than Tolkien, in my personal opinion. It depends on how you define it. His structure is, is okay. so different. And it's more modern, so I think it's it's a lot That's easier. Fair. It's more modern, but like... Yeah. Let's just say Tolkien is 1,000% the better world builder. Mm -hmm. Right? He creates a whole
whole language. <laughs> yes, a couple of them. <laughs> yes. The dedication of Tolkien to world building is second to none. He goes into extreme detail when writing to a little overkill, even yeah. by standards of the day. Like, come on, read Chronicles of Narnia. All right. Like, I think we're able to see the difference here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think Chronicles Narnia is slightly simplistic, but well, okay, it. it's brought to a younger generation too. <laughs> yes. But mm -hmm. I'm saying it doesn't go into extreme detail on everything. Oh yes, that's true. So when when we're saying even by his standards of the day, he's a bit extreme. Mm -hmm. Okay, Martin brings a lot of detail into his too. He's great at writing point of views. Mm -hmm. I think he's a really good point of view writer. He's kind of bad at the world creation. <laughs> because he relies on point of views for everything. Mm -hmm. He, which is why the butterfly effect has killed him. He probably could have finished the books if he knew how to send characters away and feed off of like background conversations, just a yeah. little bit more. Or I, or I think he could have benefited just from having a third point of view or a third person point of view where he's a narrator describing a scene instead of having to go through an entire freaking conversation every time. Right. There is that too. Yeah, and also you can have multiple characters in one scene instead of having like all twelve point of views. You have to like, okay, we've seen the scene. Now you're seeing it from another point of view. It's like, okay, nothing really changed. Okay, now we're gonna see it from another point of view. Okay, nothing right. really changed. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's there's it, there's just point of view overload in Martin's books, and that's my main criticism. Mm -hmm. But he also like he. It's just the yeah. I don't know what. He, what would be your biggest criticism of a Song of Fire and Ice be? Besides it not being complete, because um, I think that he relies way too heavily on shock, where it's just okay. disgusting. And I think that um, so, is it like okay? Here's my question: The world is pretty freaking dark. Yes, Wait, you don't, you don't have to focus it because I really don't think that after. It's the same thing with the HBO shows. So like the first two episodes right. have a ridiculous amount of sex and have lots of gore, and then the rest mm -hmm. of the season usually has nothing. And they're just they're right. front-loading it, whereas like with Martin, he does it throughout the entire book, and it really at some point no longer helps the narrative. It's just disgusting. So like I, I get it. This world sucks. These characters are terrible. But you don't have to describe it every single time. <laughs> right. I, okay. Perspective here. Should he write it as he sees the world, though? Like, is it supposed to be accurate? Because if you were, let's say you go to Brazil for carnival, mm -hmm. and you have to write exactly what you see, it's going to sound a lot like a fucking uh, Song of Fire and Ice book at a brothel scene. <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. They throw condoms off of the, off of the floats well, because condoms. people are in the street. You're, you're taking a lot of the credit for the really drunk people in the crowd. Uh, I'm just saying, like, you go to Brazil for carnival. It's basically a Martin brothel scene, okay? Like, do you want him to describe the world as it is, as he sees it in his story and give you that detail? Well, he puts his characters in those situations. He could put them in different situations, get the same point across, and not constantly beating you over the head with this. Fair. I, I get it. But when it's Tyrion and 
little. Yeah, there's a couple like, characters where them. it still makes sense because like right. they own a bar- brothel or something. Right. But I'm gonna I'm gonna complain if you're putting Jon Snow in a brothel for no yeah. reason other than mm-hmm. the fact that you just want to talk about. Yeah, and also there's there's a lot of times when like it's a little kid. It's like right. we forget that like, all of the Stark children are like twelve and ten, and they're putting I mean, in yes. these really uncomfortable situations. It's like yes. I don't need this in my but life he, right now. <laughs> I, I was just saying, like it is accurate though, on a certain base level. Yeah, it is accurate. It's not like it's you still have to see it in the TV show if it was left mostly undescribed, like. Mm-hmm. you're not getting away from it right yeah. but one of the things I like I would say is that you can tell he's trying to make it more of a modern a modern inter- like depiction of stories because A Song of Fire and Ice really makes you think of like conspiracy theories within the, within the yeah. uh, books like you're constantly trying to figure out what the shit's going to happen next. Yeah, so that's something I love about his writing is that he'll have right. like these little nuggets of things. Like uh, at first, you don't see a connection, and like you kind of make a note, but you don't think it actually means anything. Right. And then, like literally, the next book, so like even not even within the same book, uh, it will be super important, and suddenly it's like it's connected to all the other storylines, and then just like right. the implications of what you just read is crazy. Yeah, I mean it's okay. One thing, it's like uh, Rickon over there in freaking Skagos. Okay, mm-hmm. think of all the all the theories people have about Skagos. Yeah, mm-hmm. just leaves you thinking, and maybe it's partially the fact that you're. If I mean, hey, let's let's be honest here. The way he's written, it's like you're waiting for the correspondence from King's Landing all the way up in the uh-huh. north. Yeah, Winterfell. All right, mm-hmm. so you know his. His mode of delivering the manuscripts is pretty accurate to his story, if not frustrating. But yes. I will say, which one is it? Is a there's five books out right now, right? Yes. So the fourth book, I think, is just ungodly boring. It is so awful. Nothing happens in that story. The it's just, fourth one, I'm trying to think. It's so it's a Game of Thrones, Feast of Crows, Clash of, Clash of Kings. No, maybe it's the other one. Clash of Kings, Feast of Crows, Dance of Dragons is the last one. So what the yeah. hell is the fourth one? Let me look. Okay. You have. I love how Amazon is trying to sell it as seven books when they're not yeah, all out. So a Dance with Dragons is five. A Feast of uh, A Feast for Crows is number four. Oh, what are the? Um, you have Kings. the Game of Thrones is the first one. Clash of Kings, Storm of Swords. Oh, Storm of Swords. Okay, a that's feast the one. for crows, and then a dance with the dragon. I, it, yeah, I think it's a feast for crows. It's just so boring. That like when I go back to reread the books, when the next one maybe will come out at some point. Um, I, I've only like read through them once, so yeah. Well, I don't want to read them again because it's not finished, and I already right. know I'm going to be so frustrated at the end, not being able to finish it. I'm trying to think what part of it makes you so what part made you so frustrated with it being boring. Uh, it's just that that particular book was clearly just filler and it was just building up to the next book I, to explain where everyone else like all the characters are at. I guess it that one has Jon Snow uh, north of the wall most of the time, doesn't it? 
I honestly don't remember. I just, I remember the feeling of being like, oh my gosh, this is awful. <laughs> right. No, it had to have, right? Because the wild lanes weren't part of, um, oh, I guess the build right. up. it was the build up to the attack yeah, yeah. on the Yeah, on because the he, he dies in the, the next book. Right. Yeah. 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 Which, okay. Yeah. No, that is an extremely boring story arc because Jon Snow is doing absolutely nothing useful. Yep. Well, that's another thing. That's, I think you might have mentioned this already, but something I find really frustrating about Martin is I'm not always equally interested in each point of view. So no, that I was I was going to say that too. Yeah. It's, so like like Jon Snow, like I am very invested in that story arc. Yeah. But there's like, sometimes other characters just like, oh my gosh, I don't I don't care. I know this is going to be important, so I'm going to keep reading it, but I just don't care. Okay, about that's it. me with Daenerys. Yeah, Daenerys. Powerful. Yeah, I know. I want to like her. I she's better her. in the books than in the she's show. Not, good no she still sucks yeah i agree she's the attempt at idealism from martin yeah and i get where he's coming from because like good intentions turn things to shit all the time and Mm -hmm. kind of the way the world works the best intentions always have the worst outcomes (laughs) but like she is particularly bad like particularly bad her sto- yeah. entire story arc is her just oh i'm gonna kill everybody now <laughs> why is there nobody here to do what i need them to do who knows yep. how anything works and yeah. she just does that the whole way across i think the only reason why that character exists is so you can have a another person who could potentially fulfill the prophecy so you don't know who it's going to be and also you need to have multiple threats from from outside of westeros so you have the right uh, not the Walking Dead, with the, the what the things White Walkers. White Walkers. You <laughs> have. Yeah. I can tell it's been a while. This show hasn't been out in a long yes. time. Yes. Yeah. So you have the White Walkers, and then you have Daenerys. So you have like these two opposing for- forces, like you know, fire and ice, literally. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the only reason why she exists. I think as soon as if he can transition to, is it Young Griff is the other? Yeah, um, but she Targaryen? exists purely for dragons. She's yes. the it factor. Okay. Well, the thing is, if, if that other guy takes the dragons, then she doesn't need to be there anymore. Right. I. It's one of those things where her story arc is not that great because she was in, supposed to be back way earlier. Yeah. And she's just meandered through. I know. Like, like she just got out of Egypt as a slave or something and just walked yeah. through the desert for 40 years. Right? Yes. <laughs> she's not... She's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. The story mm-hmm. completely changed. Martin, yeah, well, like, I think Martin this, realized that, like, oh, I need to let the dragons grow early. up. <laughs> yeah, like, it's too early. Can't bring her back. Yeah. I have too much to write about in Westeros. Mm-hmm. She, here she ruins everything. I can't yep. even bring Dorne into this equation. And I made them a, an entity, so I need them to exist. Yeah, well, someone yeah. is going to hatch an egg in Westeros. That's the only way that this is going to go. Because you're going to, like, in like in the book world, the show is stupid. In the book world, oh, yeah, if yeah, she yeah. has three fully grown dragons, she is going to obliterate everybody. And, like, <laughs> that's just not fun story writing, you know? Right. I mean, she has the dragons, but you're assuming she keeps control over said dragons. Yes. So it, she says she it's has. It's a fact that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. Yes. Okay. Everyone is going to view her as crazy. So it is what it is. Yeah, maybe he just instantly bonds. Or maybe he works a dragon or something. That's another thing. How did that night happen in the show? How did the freaking... um, 
brand, not Worgen, one of those dragons. This is like, come on. Oh. We're back on the show. I know. It's so frustrating. I know. So that's part of the reason why, like, the books are slightly tarnished. Just you gotta, yeah. No, the, okay. Books are slightly tarnished because they just tied loose ends. Like, these point of views that Martin clearly isn't just trying to get rid of mm-hmm. are just ended in the show. Martin, like, I think Martin, as a, like, I don't believe Tolkien would have ever done what Martin did. No. Part of me doesn't believe he would have. He would have waited until the books were finished, then done a show. But like you can tell the difference in generation because Martin is a bit vain. Let's be honest. Yes, he is. He's he believed he was ready and deserving of a show when he didn't even finish his damn story. Mm-hmm. Not truly. And it's like, have you seen the, the episode of South Park when? Uh, he's describing the end of the books and it's just him singing about penises the whole time. <laughs> no, I have not. Oh my gosh. It sums up Martin and it sums up that, that those books so well. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, uh, it's the theme song. So like, you know, the, so it's wiener, 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 wiener. Yeah. I don't even know. You were talking earlier about like, Oh, I don't like war because Vietnam mm-hmm. is his perspective. Yes. It's just like, I agree with you that that's bullshit given everything always turns to conflict mm-hmm. in his book. Like, that's the fastest way anyone solves anything. You don't have anyone being like, oh, let's keep it civil, guys. I mean, you that's how he starts that. off the book. The very first, like, pair, uh, couple <laughs> chapter, or the first chapter is Gross. the Night's Watch, watch yeah. being attacked by White Walkers. Right. So, and then someone gets beheaded. So it's like, you love death and you love conflicts. I don't even want to hear about it. Yeah, no, but like, it it really comes to it where you have, going back to the generations, right? You have Tolkien over there. He experienced probably the worst conflict. Yes. World War One, probably way worse than World War Two from like a, I think from a psychological perspective, psychologically speaking, way worse because of the yeah, because people didn't yeah, people didn't understand that we were capable of that. Yeah, mustard gas. They still thought horses were the best. I don't want like a cavalry charge during that. Like talk about what's like a dragon versus that. Basically, it's gonna Mm -hmm. be World War One was basically the uh, Lannisters trying to. So that's what Tolkien had to deal with. All mm-hmm. right. He's also coming from like the guilt. What he aspires to return to is the gilded age. That's mm-hmm. that's his universe, right? Like that's that's his reality of he, he got to see the gilded age where like peak civilization of like <laughs> like actual art peak like the peak of culture people would argue was during the gilded age mm-hmm. if you go to an art museum your your fanciest your nicest most realistic looking paintings would come from that era yep. right so he sees this high civilization that you would like to return to that's that's the idea that he's writing when he's writing lord of the rings he has that vision of that that high culture that he thinks you should aspire to return to. Martin, he's a boomer, right? What's what's 
his peak civilization that like what is it that he's <laughs> chris the but what what is what is he trying to go to right he's just trying to return to nothing peak civilization was not for his for america right at that mm-hmm. time we were maybe it was like not during his life the gilded yep. age was well before him when you would argue some of the higher class stuff was happening seems like I'm, oh because of the okay. he is underwater chris i, I am hanging out thank you <laughs> no um what i was trying to get to is for boomers they were handed off this peak u.s culture right from world war ii everything that was great for america came from the um one second let me fix my audio since chris is absent oh no okay all right right. everything he he oh yeah you are way louder now (laughs) (laughs) everything he has right came from war bombing out of Europe. Did I miss him? I'm t- Chris, you're distracting us in the chat. Everything <laughs> uh, he knows is American Empire came at, from war, directly from war. Yep. Right? Like, the way the world is remolded and reformed to him for the better is after a massive conflict. Mm-hmm. For, for Tolkien... The massive conflict did not make the world better. Something was lost. Yep. And in fact, we ended up in World War II right <laughs> after that. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have completely different foundational perspectives. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess if you had to reread the stories, like, you're forced to on a beach right now, which one would you choose? On a beach? Yes. Shit. Um, if I had to reread them on a beach, I'd be reading Song of Fire and Ice because I don't want to. Um, so I need something a bit better for reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, I might, I might pick that one too, just because it's longer and it'll take me longer and like fill up more time that I'm stuck on this beach. <laughs> but like, also, you're trying to enjoy the beach a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'd be too distracted to read Lord of the Rings. The second he spends two pages describing, the world, <laughs> I would be like, okay. "Oh, there's sand. There's water. <laughs> yes. I'm on a beach." Yes. Uh, there. Okay. It, it's it's between the two. I mean, like I enjoy both stories, but if I'm trying to relax a little bit more versus enjoy this epic, it's like mm-hmm. reading the Iliad, right? It's like you enjoy the Iliad. The Iliad's good. The Odyssey is better though. <laughs> I like a journey. In the Odyssey. It's a nice journey, right? Yeah. That's what Lord of the Rings is. It's on par with that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a Song of Fire and Ice is bad. I think Chris, have you actually even read Song of Fire, uh, Song of Ice and Fire? No, he's just, he just talking. He's just talking that shit in the chat because he <laughs> yeah, never read. Yes. He's only watched the show. Yes. And mm-hmm. he's saying that it's degenerate. That's. I really like Martin as an author, so I, I can't. At least. At least. <laughs> 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 yeah well the thing is so that's a good point tolkien it's, wrote the entire story as one thing and then it will split up in three books so they right from beginning Which, to end it was done and that's why it's such a cohesive story yes it was not intended to be three books it's yeah. one story 
split up. Yep. Which Martin had three books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Told to expand it into multiple and ended up writing more. So yeah, exactly. He kind of I think he was told track, five, right? and he's like, "I'm going to do seven. Uh, make it eight. Uh, make it's it nine. He made, well, okay. Look at the point of view creep. Every time it just every book has like ten more characters, point of views, and then he gets attached to the point of view, and then he can't just kill him off. Mm-hmm. So, and anytime he kills off a point of view, he adds like three. <laughs> was he really in Sharknado? What? Chris, you should have just hopped on the on this right now. Well, he's camping. He'd have to do it in the dark again. Uh, got his voice call in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I it's it's really is though. You need both. Like Martin calls his series a song of fire and ice, but like really the fire and ice is or the rings versus a song of fire and ice. Yeah. That's really where it is, because you need the balance of the light with the balance of the dark. And mm-hmm. It. what's your biggest complaint with Lord of the Rings? Like, let's go there. Biggest complaint with Lord of the Rings yeah. would be I, so I appreciate the the idea of Tom Bombadil, but it still frustrates me a little bit simply because every other aspect of his world building has purpose and has explanation. Mm-hmm. And he purposely sticks in this one character in only the very first book. Uh, whereas there is no other part of the st- story that is ever unexplained. Everything has purpose. So I mean, they kind of does that a little bit in um, the Hobbit with the bear oh. guy. Oh, Bjorn. They just talk. They talk about his descendants being super important later. But yes, yeah. I he, mean, as far as the story goes, he's sort of like Tom. Yeah, but he is. So skin changers have a lot, a large part to do in his mythos, though. So I think mean, right that character in general, they say they don't know, don't know how he got there, but. The, the concept of skin changers is all over the Silmarillion. So, like, there's lots right. of them. Even um, Sauron uh, skin changes a ton. Right. So, um, that one doesn't bother me as much. Because Tom Bombadil is just like, what, what is it? He's not, he's not a god. He's not a Maiar. He's not an elf. I'm like, what, the, what is he? Wasn't he supposed to be kind of like a god? I forget. He is, I don't know. <laughs> he's I thought he was supposed to be some entity that's, like, super powerful but just doesn't care to meddle there's like, some con- well he said that they talk about him being there i think there's even a book called the avengers of tom bombadil but there uh he is supposed to have been in the shire since before like middle earth was even created so he's been there mm-hmm. since the beginning and there's some speculation that he's actually supposed to be ayuvatar which is the creation god mm-hmm. um and that that's like the equivalent of God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. So can we be honest though? He's kind he kind of is his character kind of is the perfect Hobbit God. Because <laughs> he he kind of is, right? Yeah. He's over there by the Shire. He's just doesn't give a shit about anything outside of his day. Mm-hmm. He just plays with the ring. He doesn't care, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has no ambition to do anything with it. Nope. Just scares people and he's like mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's basically the god of the hobbits yes. and i'm a little <laughs> disappointed that tolkien never called him the god of the hobbits yes that would have been perfect it would have been perfect. Just, yeah because they eat the smoke yeah. he has yeah. trees that eat people he's <laughs> a perfect he's, god and he's super chummy with the hobbits when they showed yes. up he's like uh-huh. you're my people i created yes. you <laughs> except he never says it 
because Tolkien yes. just never put those two together of how he could have explained uh-huh. explained this character. But then it would have had an explanation, and it would have, it would have had a perfect explanation because yes. it would have been like, why does he have no ambition to do anything? Oh, <laughs> he literally just created hobbits in his own miniature image. <laughs> like he's just a stoner god yes yeah mm-hmm. perfect it would have been perfect actually now i'm a little disappointed because we're, we're gonna like, go ahead and that's our head cannon. that's just how it is <laughs> yeah we're just gonna yeah we're just gonna claim it that's mm-hmm. per, perpetual now that's the yes. god of the hobbits uh-huh. um for video games there has not been a legit video game for game of thrones other than the telltale game but that doesn't i don't care that's more of a story narrated thing like mm-hmm. it's not it's I guess story yeah, no, I've thought about this too. That I don't understand why there aren't more IPs in that world because it'd be perfect. You could do it from so many perspectives. Yes. Well, I will say this though for anyone who is a fan and wants to play it the best mod <laughs> for a Game of Thrones, Song of Fire and Ice uh, video game, would probably be for the Mount and Blade series. So Warband had an amazing one. I forget which one it is. There's a couple mods. But if you wanted to play that, it's pretty good. You basically form your own army. You can form your own army in that or be a merchant or whatever you want to be and explore this, all the Seven Kingdoms and the expanded uh, universe. So I'm going to tell Chris that he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> There's no legit Game of Thrones game. It's published so. by Atlas. It's clearly not a real game. You know, I'm just saying the <laughs> mod, that mine. mod is the closest thing to a real Game of Thrones game, and okay. it's pretty damn good. Um, I'm looking this game up, Chris. I don't see it. Oh, wait a minute. I might actually... Co- compare that to the Lord of the Rings games. Those were pretty good. But yeah, there's a lot of good Lord of the Rings games. So I have to put in my... Is, mind. There, is there a good open world one? I've not... I'm not aware of one. Open world. Um, do you hear that? No. Okay. So suddenly it started playing music. Yeah, I see it was published in 2012. So anyway, I clearly didn't pick, uh, take off because no one knows about it. Um, <laughs> open world or the Rings game. I don't I think, think there is an open world. Maybe there's I mean, there, an there are like MMOs, yeah. which are kind of like that. There's plenty um, of things similar to, but not exact. I mean, the Shadow of War game or Shadow of Mordor game is open world-ish. It's just restricted to Mordor, which is kind of oh, sad. Oh, that's right, right. I forgot about that game for a second. That was pretty good, I yeah, think. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed that game. Right. Um, I, was... I wish that it um, had more loca- locations. It completely ruins the lore. So if you are, like, <laughs> like if you love the Tolkien lore and, like, get frustrated when anything gets changed you'll hate those games oh my gosh they make it a, a whole new ring like there's possessions there's all kinds of crazy shit if and also like, just, they fight sauron several times yeah if you want to just dominate uh orcs it's the game for you with an assassin's creed twist because that's basically what the game is it's lord of the rings assassin's creed mm-hmm. and chris is angry that we're talking about the game okay middle earth yeah, no, I don't count it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like mods are really good for both, though. Mm-hmm. You can get a mod for most computer games. Like like I said, Mountain Blade. I know um, uh, Total War, there's always a mod for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if there's a Game of Thrones mod for that, but I'm sure there is. I'm sure something exists. But then again, like Total War is not the. I'll be honest, Total War is not the best uh, genre for those mods. More mm-hmm. so, Lord of the Rings. It's better than Game of Thrones, though, because you don't really have the armies fight the same. Like, it's a bit more chaotic, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as they're not as well drilled until you get the Unsullied. So it's like Mount. I think Mount and Blade is much more um, accurate to the vibe. Just I think it'd be bit. really cool if they had a Game of Thrones game where you could pick your house. So you'd pick a location. There's say there's like three or four to begin with. And right. they could like build up that house and then like attack the other ones. <laughs> have you so. ever played Mountain Blade? Just no, just question. I have not. Okay, no. well, you have to play it. Okay, I, I will put that on the list. So, um, basically, with that game, you are you start off as anyone, you create your character, right? Mm-hmm. You can be a noble, you can be a peasant, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You can go serve in an army for any established lord. You can go enter the service of that house as your own, as like your own little leader of your party, as a mercenary, basically, party leader. You can become uh, landed and you can take, like, of a little town, you can take over castles or towns and you can form your own kingdom. So, with a mod (laughs) for, with a mod for, game of thrones yes okay. it becomes the exactly exact game described. you're asking for <laughs> and the newest one uh which is mount and blade banner lord they should really be sponsoring this at this point uh, <laughs> that yes. game even lets you um build a family it lets you execute other lords if you don't like them Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> only thing is you can't just like build your own uh, towns or anything you have to play with what's there and but yeah as far as I don't know if there's a Game of Thrones mod for that one yet I've been playing it for long enough I should know this but uh, the w- previous edition of the game had the mod so I'm sure it's out there for the new one um, but yeah you would like it because it's exactly what you're asking for <laughs> yeah no it sounds amazing <laughs> But um, um, all right, so as far as world building, do you think yeah. George R. R. Martin actually sat down and like knows the entire mythos from the creation of his world to the end of his world, oh, like Tolkien me. did? No, or do you think he kind of he has a loose idea of the story that he's telling and then he fills in the pieces and also fills in like the beginning and the end as he's going along? I think he fills. He has to fill it because he's built this big world, right? There's mm-hmm. things that are still unexplained. Yes. Right. Like, maybe he has some idea, but a lot of his stuff is left in mystery, I think, on purpose. Right? Because okay. he hasn't. I don't even know if he's fully fleshed out some of it. Like, you know, the grayscale thing? Mm hmm. I don't, just, I don't. I don't know if he has an origin story for that shit. No, it's just spooky. Well, it's, it's gonna. Yeah. He's just gonna make it like, oh, it's dragon pox. It's gonna be tied <laughs> to like the White Walker thing and stuff too. Yeah, because he already has started to tie it together. Um, 
there's just like the what is it that one island where people some people die from butterflies if they're not oh, from the yeah. island. He has some weird shit out there. That's yeah, that's like, right. Like it's the uh, yeah. Sothros or something. Something like, the, like that. It's essentially Africa. They yeah they die of crazy butterflies. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know it's his mythical malaria. Um, there's a bunch of locations though. Like he just doesn't. You know they're just the dark that dark zone where it's like in the shadow of whatever mm-hmm. that isn't explained and the shadow grass. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much of that he's actually fleshed out. His world itself is just kind of an inverted map of places, yes. <laughs> not to scale. Yeah. So, well, it's like, he wanted to be like, okay, my world is big as the real world. So like, I'm going to throw out these random places and mention them. And then like, I'm never going to follow this up. <laughs> right. Right. This is like, even some of the free, like, what are they? The free cities or whatever. Mm-hmm. I forget what they're called. Exactly. Um, the he free has cities barely, I think so. And then slavers, but like, he hasn't <laughs> fleshed out a lot of those locations too much. And, compared to Lord of the Rings, like, everything is known. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much not known about the world. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> That's basically Which it. We just discovered the real thing yeah, for it. He was out. just, you know, <laughs> Tolkien was just too high on his pipe at the time to realize what he had created. Yeah. I'm like, sure I've said this a thousand times already on this podcast, but I've actually sat in the same pub that used to sit with C.S. Lewis and the other members of the writing club, the Inklings, uh, nice. So I used to, so I, I, it's called the Eagle and the Child. Um, anyway, so what, the funny thing is that if you look at the Eagle and you're like, oh, wait a minute, it's like the Eagle is carrying away this child. Mm-hmm. And it's very much the same imagery as when the Eagles are always saving the day. So I was like, right. whenever he had writer's block, like, how am I going to get him out of the situation? Yeah, he would go to the pub and be like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I just want to point out that those are the most, that's the most random shit in that uh, book series. It is That's random the whole thing. until you're the, like, oh, the they're, a- they're angels and they're just in bird form. <laughs> Still so random that they're It is eagles. random. It's a beautiful imagery, though. It is. It is. I mean, they are pretty clutch every time they show up. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you know, eagles are pretty great. They are. <laughs> they're like, freaking can't awesome. can't hate it. They're a nice-looking bird. It's like, yep. The thing is yeah. that they're always dying in the books. So, like, when in the show, in the movies, you don't ever see that. So, like, everyone's like, why didn't the Eagles just drop the ring in? It's like, no, they're getting shot down constantly in those battles. So, like, right. by the time, like, by the final battle, there's, like, nothing left. There's, like, they're all dead. Right. <laughs> Metal too much. Yes. So, they've learned their lessons overall. They're just like, nah. Yes. <laughs> We're pretty fragile. Why, yes. has, why hasn't a dwarf made us armor yet? <laughs> genius so that's unexplained why why don't we have a mithril uh armor for our eagles here that light as shit armor that you dwarves made why isn't there a dwarf rider of eagles there you go that's a good question yeah right why does everyone hate the dwarves that's the real question it's because they weren't created by any like the whatever the creation not the creation god but like the god that was in charge of creating beings didn't create the dwarves that's why there's another god, and that he created them out of the stone. See, this is the thing. I know this, and it's like he. You know, Lord of the Rings way more than I do because I've never sat down to read all the extra stuff. I, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, no. It's the thing. It's fascinating. He thought about this, and the thing is, that's why the when you get into the Lord of the Rings and actually read that trilogy, 
it's so rich already because you already thought about all this. So it's right. like, it really is just like, say you just filmed this family in like the 1800s England or something mm-hmm. and just follow them through and they lived their daily life and went on, a, went on an adventure. It's like, there's already this like thousands of years of backstory that just is informing this one scene. He was never truly in a form of writer's block for his universe. No. Like when he's writing his story, he knows everything. He knows the journey that they have to take. He mm-hmm. already wrote what the journey they have to take is. He's yeah. just telling a story of that journey. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's a completely different thing than Martin where he's on this like treadmill of world building the entire time. He's mm-hmm. constantly expanding it. Yep. Like, look how long it took for Dorn to show up. <laughs> yeah, well, he's making the world in the stories as well. So that's another, that's the yeah. difference between the two stories. So like right. Tolkien did a lot of the world building outside of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Whereas I mean, even Martin the Hobbit to... is basically setting it up for yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing is, he ch- he actually kind of changed where he was going from the Hobbit into Lord of the Rings. So like the power the power set of the ring completely changes, and also he made he that was not originally going to be the Ring of Power, what mm-hmm. um, Bilbo has. But it is convenient that he has this Hobbit that he really likes, right? <laughs> has this magical ring. And then Sauron is like, oh, he's going to have a ring of power. Oh, wait a minute. That's, this is perfect. So that's right, right. That's sort of how that went. But with Martin, he has to create everything as you're reading because there's nothing else. So there's mm-hmm. no like letters that he's written. There's no appendices. There's no Cimmerillion, nothing like that. So like, like he's building it as he goes. So I think that mm-hmm. kind of changes. Hobbits is better than dwarves. I don't no, know. The, the dwarves no. are cool, man. Dwarves are great. The hobbits are literally just Englishmen. So like that's supposed to be the point of view of the English. <laughs> Which means Chris likes the English more yes, than anything else. Exactly. Well, that's why they're always eating, they're always smoking, they always have like afternoon tea. And they're like they take they want to take breaks constantly. What was his basis English. for dwarves? <laughs> Were they I supposed to be Scottish? <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> they're also short. <laughs> That's that would make sense. <laughs> and stature, just you know, yeah. There's well, like they're always angry because they're Scottish. <laughs> well, he kind of created the 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 concept of dwarves and of the elves, at least as we know a modern uh, version of it. So there's obviously like lots of tales of dwarves and elves before him, but like having mm-hmm. elves be like tall, beautiful people who are, are like excellent fighters and everything like that. That's him. He created that concept. And dwarves right. not being like weird gnomish creatures is also that's him. him. Like an, an, yeah. and like digging deep and and like all of the treasure trolls and everything like that. Like he he really at least expanded upon that idea for dwarves. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, look at Chris's question in the chat. The answer is really Lord of the Rings is the standard of fantasy. Yes, it, it created all of it. The mm-hmm. what you view for fantasy races and everything is. Straight from Lord of the Rings. At least in, like, Western writing. Yeah, but, I mean, that's... I mean, if you read Eastern... Yeah, Eastern mythology and Eastern fantasy is just, like, whoa, this is way different. (laughs) What are they based on? What do they have more? Um, I mean, there's obviously lots of dragons. Is it more creature-based? A lot of creature-based stuff, a lot of dream-based things. At least what I've read, so obviously I'm not adept in it. But a lot of dream-based things, like, they... 
there's lots of demons that they interact with frequently and the dragons are just different. So a lot of times the mm. dragons are talking and they're like, not like luck dragons, but there's dragons that like trick you and things like that, like tricksters and things. It's really okay. interesting. But there's not a lot of man-esque uh, races. Um, I'm sure there are, <laughs> but the okay. fantasy that I've read, no, not really. It's okay. more like it's humanity versus these random ethereal beings okay. that are like tormenting certain aspects of your life. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I've thought it was based mm -hmm. on what I have heard in the past. I just have been, I wasn't sure. I've never It's read really anything. good. Like a lot of the ones I can suggest them off air, but yeah, there's, it's good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We should do Michael Crichton versus someone in the future. Yeah. Uh, oh, Chris, I'm curious. Do you still say Crichton? <laughs> MC versus DC. No, I don't want to talk about that. No, that's not happening tonight. No. Michael Crichton, though, is really good. Star Wars is very start. Those are so different that you can't compare those. People will, though. It's no, annoying. It's totally different. We're, we're, this is a review of the authors. So, yes. yeah. Give us okay. the, give us, we're, we're still, like, we're, we're critiquing our likes and dislikes of the stories, but it's based on the, he totally, on our perspective of the author. He still says it's wrong. It's not Krypton. It's Crichton. That's how you say his name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... Do you think he actually will finish it? Uh... I don't think he will. So I think that he may already have the books written because there's been excerpts written, uh, uh, published. He so has there are so many that... excerpts. Like, yes. it's insane. You could basically write a book with those. <laughs> a uh, lesser yes. book already exists of just yeah. excerpts. Uh -huh. So I think he potentially has them already written. I think he has that writer's block, but he's worried about his legacy after like this show's reception. And I think he's making so much money off of everything else that he's just going to make these side stories like the Duncan Egg stuff. He's working on the freaking Jon Snow series now. Right. What here's okay, here's the thing. It's like is he yeah, is he is he does just does he is he afraid of criticism? <laughs> At yeah. this point, he knows he can't please everybody, and mm -hmm. he allowed himself to get into this position by making the show. Really. Yeah, well, his the vanity, thing is, it's his too vanity popular is punishing now. us. His vanity punished us. Yes. Because of the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> if you hear him talk or read his blog, you can tell that he is a super vain person, and he really oh, yeah. likes the smell of his own farts. Why? <laughs> Okay, you, one, you need to read The Fourth Turning because okay. it, that's basically his archetype uh, yep. as a prophet. Um, but he that's why he even allowed it to be a show before he finished. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. So he has said... Okay, this is my question for you. Okay. Do you believe he is saying that the book is different than the show because the public reception to the show was bad or he didn't never wanted the show to spoil his books or some combination of that. I think it's probably a little bit of a combination. I know that he allowed the show to spoil some aspects of the book. Jon Snow's Obviously, parentage. But that's because yes. no one ever was in doubt because he wrote that mm -hmm. so clear. It was insane. Like if you, if you didn't believe that Jon Snow was a Targaryen after the first effing book, you're blind. 
Yes, it's it is like, true, but it but was a major plot point in the in the story. I know, but like I, my friend was like immediately. So, what do you think about Jon Snow? It's like he's clearly a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's like really, really. You think yeah. that's debatable? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to pretend like there's mystery to this, <laughs> but no, it, I, I lean towards the fact that he never wanted it to be spoiled by the show. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like he's too vain, <laughs> and like the reception, I was like, "Oh shit, I have to rewrite stuff now." <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, I, I'm telling you that I really do think Daenerys was going to go nuts at the end, but he was going to have it make sense. So I you think know, that everyone hating that may change his ideas of what he wants to do now. Yeah. You know, okay, Chris, I'm going to take off Catholics right now. Uh, you guys had a pope whose son and daughter. Um, <laughs> this is true. Also, the Pope's that's also, that son and daughter. <laughs> you know, uh, Jamie and Cersei are based off of that same exact family. So, <laughs> I like how you're you're waiting for his response. <laughs> yeah, no, but okay. Uh, <laughs> just had to throw the <laughs> you threw the gauntlet. Okay, but uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of that position, right? We're in a terrible position as fans, and. Yep. Going back to the Daenerys thing, he probably is still intending for her to go crazy. I I don't believe he's... I believe he would not change the story too much because mm-hmm. he doesn't... He's proud, right? He, he might yeah. want to double down on it. Um, I believe she's stuck around as long as she has. <laughs> the way she has, partially because people like her so much more than he ever anticipated. Mm, okay like that's the thing i'm more suspect of is that he's kept her around longer who likes her though no one likes that character oh my god tv fans only tv fans like her yeah okay yeah yeah even but the thing is in the show it's way worse she that character is way worse in the show yeah no one said that they were like cultured fans, man. <laughs> cultured they're, like, fans. <laughs> they're, they're base instinct fans. They're like girl power with a dragon. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like uh, that's what it is. It doesn't matter that everything she touched turns into shit. Like and she's where her oh, I, I hate her point there, of like, views because like you get her inner uh, dialogue. Oh, I hate it yeah. so much. Okay, seriously, like if we're if we're being completely honest, there's only two points of view that are just torture at times. One is always going to be Daenerys, mm-hmm. always torture. I think Cersei's uh, torture. Yeah, I, I think, think her character is. is way more interesting, but yeah, the point of view sucks. Her character is amazing as a third party view mm-hmm. because you don't know what she's thinking. Yes. Right. The ninety mm-hmm. percent of her intrigue is you don't know what the hell she's gonna do because she's literally batshit. Yep. But you put you put you in her head. Yeah. She's no longer simply bat. Well, she is still batshit. It's just you it's just interesting. Yeah. It's just like you're just like oh my god, I have schizophrenia. 
Yeah, even though she's crazy, though, you can see the train of thought getting to the end, and it's more fun just yeah. to see the end. <laughs> right. You you see her try to rationalize things, mm-hmm. logic things out, but her character's awful. Yeah. She's a terrible person. Jamie's much more interesting. Yeah, um, well, honestly, like I'm starting to get confused. I think Jamie has a really satisfying arc oh, yeah, in the show, yeah, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know where he's going, but that's yeah. also part of that. Yes. So, part of his intrigue. He's like multiple characters. He does have schizophrenia. That might be true. So, um, no, like, okay, I have high hopes on Rick. That's 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 yes. where I'm at in the, in no, the he's story. He's just going to get shot have... as he runs across the field. No, okay, that's, you have no idea how much that pissed me off. <laughs> I've been like the biggest Skagos conspiracy theorist for yeah that book series for the mm-hmm. longest time it's like where they because there's the whole thing in the past where they revolted right mm-hmm. and they managed to have an army to the size big enough to challenge the you know king of the north yep. which means skagos clearly has a large enough population where else is john snow going to get an army worth the damn what so rickon is going to be the wild wolf he's supposed to be mm-hmm. and lead an army of partial wilding skagosis yes that's my fear that's where i'm i stand on that theory to this day but the stupid show wants to crush that theory hard <laughs> they don't even have skagos be a thing man no self-crushing so something that another thing that i frustrate you mentioned wildlings frustrate yeah. me about the, the wall is like why don't they just oh, go yeah. around it <laughs> just it's no they have a navy remember they have a navy on the one side the one that no so, but watch has a there's navy. only like east watch has something but the other side doesn't anymore <laughs> chris really the red wedding guaranteed that you will never read those books why okay first of all the red wedding in the books is like it's amazing page, and you, it's you don't amazing. even see the you don't see the inside of it you literally are in Arya's perspective and you just see the outside of the of the castle right right it's one of the most amazing it's one of the most amazing uh bouts of writing yeah i have to say that's actually him at his best yes that's honestly him at his best and it just takes you completely by surprise yeah this i guess so that's something i do love about him so i've read a couple other books by him that aren't related to the series and he does a great job of surprise yeah surprise and it's not like unearned surprise so like Mm -hmm. the uh subverting expectations that the last jedi was doing it was oh, not yeah, that yeah, crap yeah. it sub- right. subverts your expectations and like oh wow I, I can't believe that just happened i can't wait to read more type thing right well i'm sorry chris rob stark doesn't have a point of view <laughs> yeah see you have not read these books you, you can't say it's better or worse <laughs> no read no opinion <laughs> right and okay this is the part right this is the part to say what do you want in a book? Because I don't think this is going to be controversial thought process, maybe. Just like the Iliad and Odyssey, I don't view those as books. Well, they're not. They're yes, poems, I know. So. But but they're, myth, they're like myths. Yeah. Right? I view Lord of the Rings in the same category to okay. a certain extent. It's hard... It, it, it's like it transcends simple book. You know what I mean? Yes. 
but at the same time, it doesn't, and it doesn't really read like a book, <laughs> given all the extreme details um, and world mm-hmm. building. Whereas, A Song of Fire and Ice just reads like a book. Maybe it's just us from our era, our perspective of modern writing, mm-hmm. but I feel like A Song of Fire and Ice is a bit more of a book. I totally agree that it really does. Tolkien reads much more like mythology. Whereas, like, if you're reading a story about, like, Hercules or something, mm-hmm. sort of what it reads like. Whereas, when you are reading Martin, it really, yeah, it just reads like a book. Like, you're just very much in that moment. Not so much, like, it's not greater in kind of the story. I don't find myself wondering what's going to happen next in Lord of the Rings too much. No, because you know you that, yeah. Yeah, you just don't find yourself wondering. You don't find yourself in this intrigue while you're reading it. You're like... I know where we're going. Yeah. Because I it's know safe. what we're supposed to do. It's like, what are we supposed to, what's going to happen to us on this journey? Mm-hmm. There's that, but you don't know where you're going with a song of fire and ice. Yeah. Because really there is no single missions like the Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. You have that one mission. You got to destroy the ring. So it's like, it's very much just a story about that one journey. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in Martin, it's just like, Everyone is just kind of like living their life and all of a sudden, bam, there's a nuclear bomb that goes off and everyone's mm-hmm. scrambling and you're just, you're following them as they're scrambling blindly through the dark. <laughs> I mean, it really is like a TV series though, oh, yeah. or yeah. Any, any modern story. It's this thing where it's like hearing the gossip, right? Of what's, you're just like, really? Wait, what are they going to do now? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're, you really are put in this position where you're like, what, what's going on over here? What, like, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm really curious what's happening with Rickon over here. I haven't heard of him for yeah. four months now. He's just on his way to see, I guess. Or Bran. What is he or doing? Bran. <laughs> just sitting in a tree. Yeah. But, you know, he have all of this stuff, and it's just like, okay, okay. Bring back the... Okay, Bran... I don't really like Bran's point of views, but that's okay. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I like the concept. I don't like the the story as much of the character. See, he would be great if he, most of his stuff happened off, off scene. Uh, just uh, so, keep so it I, happening. I have to address Chris real quick. He does not have a harem of daughters. That is not... Craster? No, Craster does, but he's talking about the guy who has the, the bridge that they have to cross. Um, oh, the... Yeah. What the is that name of that family? Oh, it's the Red Walter. Wedding. Come on, how do we Walter. not remember? Or not Walter. Oh, uh, Frey. Yeah. Frey. Yeah. The phrase, yes. Walter no. Frey, isn't it? Yes. He doesn't even have the name right. It's the He's going with the actor from Harry Potter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he doesn't have a harem of daughters. I mean, he has a shit ton of daughters. Yeah, because he's they're ugly marry off. <laughs> Yeah, he's an ugly dude who managed to just get a bridge in a very useful position. Yes. Can we just point out that somehow someone should have built another bridge by now? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my god! Like I saw that river just a couple of miles further north, and you could yeah. still cross it. Mm-hmm. But um, no. Yeah, it, 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 it's not. This isn't really fair as a comparison, maybe because of what we've just said. But mm-hmm. it's like we do say that Tolkien wins. Primarily because he finished his story. Mm-hmm. But also he managed to write a mythology of sorts. Yes, he did. Chris is just over there. 
I mean, technically, there were other bridges. They just weren't wide enough for an army. <laughs> right. Rob Stark would have been better off just building ferries to bring yes, people across. <laughs> Why didn't he do a Julius Caesar? Okay. If it worked on the Rhine, it would have worked mm -hmm. there. Okay. Yep. <laughs> nice. But no, no, the military genius couldn't possibly pull a Julius Caesar. Not no. at all. Mm -mm. So, has to go make the worst <laughs> tactical decision of all time. The thing is, it made total sense when he was still marrying the daughter, and like everyone right. would have been fine. Right. It could have been like every other king and had a little th something, something on the yeah, side. Yeah, I mean, well, even, even Walter Frey wouldn't have cared. He would have been like, yeah. you know what? I get I've it. done it myself. Look at how many kids I have. Yes. No. Mm -hmm. This one, is it going to be a flowers, a rivers, or a snow? Like... <laughs> You got three different groups involved mm -hmm. here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, All right. Well, do you want to, like, you know, kind of wrap up our thoughts on this on why you think yeah, uh, Tolkien is obviously on. better? We could. We could. <laughs> yes. All right. Tol because uh, <laughs> Chris is going to say we can't have any other opinion, but mm -hmm. that's also – we really can't. So, okay. <laughs> our thoughts wrapped in a nice, pretty package in a soundbite bow. Tolkien is better than – George Martin, because he finished his books, mm -hmm. he wrote his own language, he also wrote a story that transcends simple book and reaches the heights of myth, legend, and what other classification would you want to give it? I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. it's on par with the Iliad and Odyssey. Yes, which it's is gonna... probably the greatest compliment you can give to a story. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think to your point, I think the Lord of the Rings will last longer and will be more finally remembered as a classic. Whereas I think I think Game of Thrones, well, the Song of Ice and Fire will be like they're not comparable, but like on the par with popularity with Harry Potter, where it's gonna be right. very popular for a couple of generations, and I think those stories are gonna fade away. Whereas, like, yeah. Your, the parents will still pass on to the kids, but it won't be something like, wow, this is a classic type thing situation. Like every Charles Dickens books, it's like everyone knows those stories. Uh, obviously, like the Alien Odyssey, like everyone's read those. Right. It won't be like that. I, I, might, I might have been willing to disagree if the show hadn't sucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, like that's a sad reality, right? Like, I feel like the show takes away from it, whereas like Lord of the Rings has that amazing trilogy. Uh, I mean, those still hold up as oh, yes. pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. um, if Martin ever finishes the books, yep, my opinion and they have change. a coherent, concise, and good ending. I mean, the ending can be open still because yeah. the nature of the story it's going to be. And the wheel repeats itself. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but the, he needs an ending for the characters at the very least. It doesn't have to be right. an ending for the world. I think it will be very similar to the the French books. You know which ones that he kind of has it loosely based off of? No, explain this. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, there's a group of... there's a So there's French books about... The Hundred Years' War and stuff, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That are, I forget the names. I bought, I bought a couple of them because I intended to read them. 
the translations. I don't know if they're not as popular because they don't, didn't have good translations for the longest time, but they're kind of ob- obscure a little bit. And I think, I think that Game of Thrones, A Song of Fire and Ice could be the same as that, where they're well known. They're a great story to read for like palace intrigue and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, but they don't have the same level of like transcendental yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what Chris just said, the show could be awful for Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, but I know that going into it, so maybe that'll not tarnish the, the image. <laughs> Whereas the Game of Thrones show, I was so excited for. And I loved it so much oh, for four seasons. Yeah. Low expectations means good outcome. Can't be any you can't be disappointed. You already oh, think it's gonna be awful. I'm gonna be disappointed no matter what, I think. I, I realize I should not set myself up for the, like this, but is it actually being based on canon lore? No. Or is it being they technically bought the rights to the canon for the second second age, but they're just condensing thousands of years of of stories into like like into one story and they're already changing the characters and they're adding characters. They have the hobbits involved, which is like, they didn't even exist yet. Um, they had Galadriel, which one looks is young now, which is like, no, she should have been the same age. Look, at least, you know, uh, and now she's like a warrior elf. It's like, that's not Galadriel. Galadriel didn't wear armor. She was like, like God. She didn't have to do that. So I mean, we're just seeing the promos and, then there's always like the race thing, which doesn't bother me that much. It's more like like the elves don't look right. They have short hair and like the clothing doesn't look right. Like the thing is, the, the elves are described, like meticulously described. <laughs> so they're supposed so, to look a certain way. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question. In your opinion, mm-hmm. does the Amazon show for Lord of the Rings look like it was actually produced by the sci-fi channel before they made anything good? Or do you think it's made like the Peter Jackson movies? No, though neither, because sci-fi, even when it was bad, was enjoyable. What they did is like, here's this, here's this checklist of how we can be relevant in today's media. Check, check, <laughs> check, check, and then they slap Lord of the Rings on it. <laughs> oh, that's what they did. Chris's last comment hurts to see, but it's true. Lord of the Rings is becoming a no last comment. Say hello to bad CGI and tons of bad character casting. Yes. Yeah. No, um, I know we were trying to end this, but CGI is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it never ages well. And if you want any proof of that, go watch the Avatar movie. Doesn't it that does look not, good? It, There's one exception. The first Jurassic Park movie, for whatever reason, looks freaking phenomenal still. But... Okay. Wait, which one? The first Jurassic Park movie. Okay, no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. That was like ni- what nineties CGI does mm-hmm. not count. Does not count because it's based on animatronics. Yeah, fair, okay. So, uh, and model building—that's mm-hmm. what Lord of the Rings was based on, and it still looks good. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's CGI based on model building and animatronics, it will always look good. That shit is timeless. All right, so the nineties and early two thousand era of movies are by far superior when it comes to holding up um but anything that's pure green screen 
Ick. Yeah, Ick. no. Ick. Well, it's like that. Um, Even when the costumes are green screened. Ick. So yeah. That's awful. Mm-hmm. You can tell. You can tell when that stuff is costume green screened. See, yeah, yeah, no, Chris, we, that's what we just said, literally yeah. two seconds ago. I said Welcome it was to the conversation, Chris. <laughs> it was based on animatronics, and yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be terrible. And I just, they're probably going to fight Sauron, and right. the, I don't, don't take it, my it, con- my coming out of context, but Galadriel's probably going to kill him, and it's going to be like a girl power <laughs> moment. And it's just like, come on. <laughs> and then it's going to look bad in five years when the cgi is all outdated because mm-hmm. yeah but, and the thing tons like, of money on this too the so. one of the producers are saying like well we've never seen galadriel like this before like there's no we have there's no story on her. Well, <laughs> the thing is it's like we have no story on her or we have no like narrative for her backstory or whatever it's like yeah we do she's in the silmarillion we know all about her <laughs> it's like we know her motivations we know where she right. comes from and the thing is like why would she suddenly change when elves are like unchanging? That's like that is what that's Unyielding, the problem with the elves. Yeah. Yes, they never change their opinions. That's why they're so stuck in the past. Oh, so frustrating. Okay, I don't need to get worked up. <laughs> Chris is trying to claim that three hundred was good despite the CGI, and the answer to that is because it's cartoony the whole time. It is cartoony. Well, the thing is, so yeah. I actually have come to a great a greater appreciation for three hundred because if you actually realize what that story is, it's propaganda. So it's that dude telling how kick-ass the, Sp- the Spartans are, and it's just completely made up. So when you actually look at it from that point of view, it's like, oh, when wow. Yeah. The, when you look at the historical facts about it, I mean. That, yeah, well, obviously the historical, there, there is, it's obviously based off the actual 300. I think there was yeah. 3,000 or something, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. The, it's just that guy who leaves and gets his eye taken out. He actually, I think, it's the same guy from The Lord of the Rings, actually. He plays Faramir. Um, mm. But... Uh, it's from his point of view. So he tells this grand story to get the other soldiers hyped up about how like right. immortal the Spartans are. Anyway, it makes the movie so much better when you view it that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I was just saying that like, even with that CGI, it was always made to be kind of cur- like, it's made to be bigger than life kind of thing. And the CGI is not terrible, terrible. It's kind of like, uh, have you ever seen the Spartacus TV show? No, I haven't. Okay. It's on my list. Um, at first, you're going to find it really weird. Okay. Because they don't do the legit fight scenes. Hmm. It's They have, like, animated blood. Weird, okay. And stuff, yeah, it says, like, the blood splashes on the camera, but it's, like, animated. It's not, like, oh, in the okay. scene. It's, like, yeah. It's, it's super weird. They, okay. ditched that, they ditched that by, like, season three. Okay. But in season three, it's like a real show (laughs) where they have like a budget because it was stars. But yeah, the first two seasons are super weird because you just like, it's like, oh, knife cut, blood splat, like blood splatter on the screen. But it's like not, you can tell it's not real. It's like animated. Then it's like, that was added later. (laughs) Will there ever be a Martin estate? Amarn said he, uh, he already set it up with his will and trust, saying that you will never get the final book. Ha 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 ha. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like that scene from Jurassic Park where it's like, nah. <laughs> He's like, he has the will and trust. It says, I take it to my grave. <laughs> like, huh? So. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's gonna be people who will dig him up if that's actually. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be like, it was. He said it was in his grave. Yes. He's like, he wasn't literal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I think, I think better, we, but really, they're both great authors. They're great. I like, even though we're giving it to Tolkien in this uh, comparison, mm-hmm. you really do need to read both. Yes, I know Chris will disagree because <laughs> I don't know why he's just a fanboy of Rob Stark over there. But <laughs> you need the light and you need the dark, and the idealist. Not, I don't know if I want to say idea, but it's like that thing just that you want to strive for, right? That high society, that high culture, that society should seek to be is what Tolkien depicts. Mm-hmm. That that's the it's what you strive for. You never know when you when that hero might show up. That hero could be you. That's the moral of that story, and you just need to seize that opportunity when it presents itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas Martin's like, <laughs> you might try. And you might just die. <laughs> but, you know. And the world Someone, sucks. everyone thinks they're a hero mm-hmm. until they get an arrow in the, you know, right through that head. <laughs> it's like, it, you need to see both, I think. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And Chris, you need to read it. And also, Sorry, Captain Stark but... is terrible. Ugh. Captain Stark kills, no. like, is the reason that <sighs> everyone dies in that story. She is pretty awful. She pushed him towards that whole thing here. Yeah, well, she's the reason why Ned trusts Littlefinger and yeah. ends up being executed. She's yeah. the reason why the execution even happens because she captures Tyrion. Yeah. Um, she is pretty awful. Yep. She also, uh, with Bolton, I forget what happened there, but wasn't there something with Bolton? I don't. Well, he he betrays the Starks. So she also arranges the marriage that Rob Stark can't with uh can't up, yeah. uphold, and gets him to agree to go to the red wedding. She releases uh, Jamie. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes she yeah. does. Which is what causes the uh, car start to even. Yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. they and they definitely needed car Stark. Forget about that. Then. He executes Carl. Yes, there's, there's yeah. a lot of bad Yeah, things. she's the worst. She is the worst. I mean, uh, uh, Stoneheart's a lot cooler, but, you know, it's not really Is she? Kind of. I, I like, I like zombie yet. assassins. Haven't seen enough yet. Okay. So. But anyway, I think, we're, I think we should probably... Stop. <laughs> yeah, we have to wrap this up. I, I need to... <laughs> but, yeah. all righty. All right, thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, as always, I'm Will. And I'm Andrew. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.